Imagine being present, calm, and connected while creating a family environment where everyone can thrive. Welcome to the I Am Mom Parenting Podcast, providing inspiration and actionable steps to manifest the meaningful and magical life you desire for you and your family. We are your hosts, Dimple Aurora, founder of Mindful Evolution and Shaista Fateli, founder of Thrive Kids. Thank you for sharing the I Am Mom journey with us. Let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. In last week's episode, which was episode nine, we talked about the power of words. So today, we're going to get a little bit deeper into that and look at specific scenarios to help you with empowered communication. And we've all had those moments when we've had someone share news with us, whether it be really great news or some upsetting news or even grief. And Oftentimes, we struggle with finding the right words or even how best to respond. So today's episode, we are going to talk about a few suggestions you can use during these common occurrences, such as dealing with grief and pregnancy loss, when your friend is upset or comforting a friend, even some really good typical responses that you could use in common situations, such as when someone's confiding in you about their marriage. We're also going to touch on the art of saying no, or when someone has really good news to share with you. At the end, we're also going to give you a really good practical and creative strategy that you can use as a visual for your kids to help them understand the power of their words. It's such a great topic. There's so much information here to cover. And it wasn't until recently in the last few years that I feel I am learning how to be an empowered communicator. There's such a difference between communicating our needs peacefully or passively, but there's also a difference doing it with getting our needs met and authentically to what we really want the outcome to be. So I've studied this a little bit in the last few years, and I've actually read a book. It's such a good book called The Emotional Edge. It's by author Crystal Andrus Morissette. And she speaks about the communication scale. And she says that our ability to communicate is actually one of the easiest indicators of our emotional age. Now, she actually has an emotional age quiz that's been featured on Oprah.com many times. I'm not sure if it's still there, but... It's an amazing quiz to uh, determine your emotional age. And so, which is very different from your chronological age. So I, I love this idea of empowered communication. So I, when I think back to my younger years, I used to be a very aggressive communicator or even a passive aggressive communicator, but only now I've learned how to speak more empowered with more empowered language. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when we are able to know how to effectively communicate, we're going to be modeling this for our kids, right? And this is the whole core of soft skill development, right? So this 
aspect of communicating and not just using vocabulary and language, but doing it in a way where we're able to, as you said, effectively communicate our needs. And when we're able to understand how we're doing it and even just become more aware of it, our kids will too. Exactly. Even the other day, I had a friend who reached out to me and a group of friends to say that we that she was upset about something we said. And I was so happy that she reached out and was able to articulate to us something that was bothering her. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I think that the more that sometimes we feel like we don't want to rock the boat. Right. We don't want to uh, cause a disturbance or even um, strain a relationship. But in terms of effectively communicating and when we realize the goal of effective communication, we can see that this actually enhances our relationships. It helps us heal as individuals because we're not um, going in going around with all of these um, this resentment in our head, right? That we um, should have done this, or I really want to do this and say this, but I'm not going to because I don't want to hurt so and so's feelings. Absolutely. Think of all the things that get unsaid in family relationships, particularly, and family members that don't speak for years because they were not able to effectively communicate, but instead held on to assumptions and stories that were probably not even true. Yeah. And instead of communicating, um, they just ignore it. Right. And as a result, the relationships are either strained or are non-existent. Yes, and go estranged. Basically. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's and that's even a more tough burden to carry. Yeah, exactly. So there's a lot of common situations that um, I find that I'm in a lot and I'm not sure how to respond. Yes, yes. And, you know, as women, we want to be able to speak in an empowered way, because this is what we want to model to our girls, especially to our girls and boys. And we want to model this to them at a young age, how to handle anger. And I mean, it comes down to our emotional regulation as well. And that's when we're able to communicate more effectively when we are emotionally regulated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, words don't come out of our mouths that are hurtful. And and so as long as we stay emotionally regulated with regulating our nervous systems, we're going to be able to communicate effectively. I'm going to give three really easy ones just to start right off the bat to help us as women stay empowered because we've been oppressed for so long. And it's important for women to be able to communicate and not come across as, I mean, sometimes we communicate our needs and we come across as bossy or too aggressive, but we want to be able to communicate in a way that is authentic to who we are, like I said earlier, and helps us stay in our power. So here's an example. A lot of times somebody will say, 
I just want to say something or I just want to help or I was only trying to help. That word just is actually disempowering. When you take the word just out of the sentence, I want to say something. I, I am trying to help or I, am, I would like to help. So when you take out the word just, it makes a huge difference in how you come across and you're able to stay in your power. I absolutely love that. I, you know, I have to be honest, I use the word just quite a bit myself. And what happens is that it becomes an automatic response Mm -hmm. because I have been so conditioned to use the word just. And the reason is because it kind of takes off that edginess around it, right? And Mm -hmm. that edginess is somehow perceived as in society as, um, as you said, bossy or, um, you know, just um, just being someone that's not uh, easy to work with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, that just kind of takes it off. But you're right. It also diminishes our own power, doesn't it? Yeah. And, <laughs> and dismantles your credibility. Mm-hmm. 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 The second one I have here is saying sorry many, many, like over-apologizing, over-apologizing. So this is one thing I've, I've noticed and I was very mindful with my daughter too, is to not expect her to say sorry right away whenever she's uh, being held accountable for something. So whenever she's ready, then she would say sorry. And I've trained her to do that because I don't want her to be somebody who's over apologizing all the time, because that is also something that takes you out of your power. It becomes a habit and dismantles your credibility. Mm -hmm. And I think that also becomes something that's very inauthentic, right? Just like these automatic responses that we have that uh, put our power, uh, take away our own power, um, over apologizing also takes away our own power, right? Because it becomes automatic and inauthentic. Mm-hmm. And this is, I find, really particular for uh, young kids because when something happens or they accidentally hurt someone, what do we say to them? Say sorry. Say sorry. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, yesterday in the car, actually, Mayel was telling me this that at school, Um, Her teachers in general will say, well, what do you need to say now to blank, 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 because she or he is upset. So she was asking me that actually, just coincidentally, that um, why do we always have to say sorry when it was something that um, wasn't intentional, right? And so I was talking to her about sometimes we do need to say sorry, but I don't think it needs to be left at that. Right. There needs to be more around that. Like, I'm sorry, it was an accident. Is there something I can help you? Or um, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Right. Or just taking out the word sorry, just as you said. Exactly. And I and taking out the word sorry and replacing it with forgive me for or I apologize. Yeah, I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. You know, sometimes if you're running late, oh, forgive me for being so late or forgive me for not getting back to you earlier. It just takes the edge off and keeps you in your power. Yes, yes. 
And the next one I want to go into here is as women, sometimes we're so uncomfortable receiving a compliment. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, yes, absolutely. I deal with this a lot. Um, I'm not sure how to respond a lot of the times. Well, I find on social media, it's easy because you could just say thank you or you can use an emoji. Oh, the emojis have been the best thing. <laughs> I right? just put an emoji on. Yeah, but I have really embraced accepting compliments in the last uh, maybe decade, I would say, because I realize that if somebody is giving you a compliment, it is best to receive it. It is best to tell the universe, yes, I want more of this. I And don't negate it by commenting on something that you don't like about yourself in that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, and I think that it also really depends on this whole accepting compliments or responding to a compliment is really based on someone's individual individual's personality and experiences that they have been through, right? Because every, every individual is going to have a unique interpretation mm-hmm. and reaction to receiving a compliment. So when you're able to know, like for me, I'm quite uh, introverted, right? As I've said before. Um, and receiving a compliment for me is very uncomfortable because I am more introverted, right? And so the way that I respond is going to be very different from, let's say, my husband, who's a lot more extroverted than I am. Mm -hmm. And, you know, receiving a compliment is also a way to receive that you're worthy of that compliment and, and to teach your children that you are worthy of praise, you are worthy of compliments. And that is one of the things that does build their self-esteem is positive language and praise, Uh, not over praising, but I know praising the effort and giving compliments. Why not make somebody feel better about themselves by giving an authentic compliment? Yeah, you know, a a lot of the times with the kids that I've worked with, and I actually had this experience yesterday, where um, this one client of mine just academically is like off the charts, right? Um, And that deserves a lot of compliments. But this client of mine had a hard time um, responding to the compliments and even accepting and acknowledging that effort, right? Because we have been so conditioned to be very... um, Hum, not to be humble about our about humble. our efforts, yeah, and which is not a bad thing, right? We, um, but I think that it also diminishes our efforts, as you said, right, or our big accompli- accomplishments that we have made. Like, yeah, I am like one of the top students in my grade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to own that, right, God. and take responsibility because I deserve it. That is such a good point. Because even as a business owner now, sometimes we have to toot our own horn, but it is so uncomfortable because we are not used to it. And even growing up, my dad would always say to me, Dimple, don't be too overconfident. So if I would get really, really good marks in school and 
And he would say to me, don't be overconfident, right? So you just get that ingrained in you and this humbleness that you're supposed to carry, but it's okay to receive the compliment and own exactly what you've accomplished. Yeah. Yeah. And that it's the whole empowered communication, not just with others, but for yourself. Yes, yes, exactly. And then that voice inside your head doesn't have to be so mean when you learn how to embrace and receive these compliments. Yeah, exactly. And just imagine like having this for our young kids and when they're able to grow into adults and this voice that um, is kind of like their cheerleader is big and is guiding them along the way is going to help them achieve their goals, be their most authentic self and reach their true potential. I love that. So let's go into a few of the other scenarios. I I have a feeling this is going to be a little bit of a long episode because there's so many good nuggets here. Okay. So we're at an age where many of us may have aging parents, right? Or we're dealing with grief a little bit more often than we would be. Um, So there's a lot when it comes to grief. And a lot of times we're going to feel helpless. We're not going to know how to respond. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel that, again, like a lot of it comes down to um, temperament and uh, personality traits. But I think as a general really talking um, in words that aren't uh, long and elongated, but just showing sympathy and understanding in as few words as possible is going to be the most effective in those situations. Absolutely. So I'm going to say before we give all these scenarios, the entire goal of of the empowered communication is to one, get your needs met, also boost the quality of the relationship. And third is to offer empathy, empathy with honest self-expression. Empathy is such an amazing skill that is actually a very, uh, a skill that takes time to, to practice and is a skill practiced by many emotionally intelligent people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these scenarios that we uh, are talking about does require practicing of empathy. And the more that we practice the skill of empathy, the more um, we'll be able to master it. Yes. And and having also self-empathy and self-compassion is important. And then when you have that self-compassion and self-empathy, you are better able to understand and share the emotion expressed by someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So going back to the scenario of sharing grief, Showing sympathy and understanding um, in as few words as possible is going to really help not just yourself because you will feel empowered uh, by providing this empathy, but it's also going to help the grieving family come together. Yeah, and also there's a few things to not say. 
yes. that somebody is going through grief. So even if you have experienced grief yourself, never say, I know how you feel because everyone experiences grief differently. It's such mm-hmm. a unique experience, mm-hmm. right? Don't say, uh, this is an important one, actually. Don't say be strong because that's been a common one over the, yes. the decades. It's okay to not be strong. Sometimes people are so strong, but years later, they haven't processed the grief because, because they've been so strong. So instead, it's important to say something like, it's okay to not be okay. Your grief may come in waves and I'm here to offer support in any way I can. Or I might not have the right words, but I'm just a phone call or a text away. Mm -hmm. So you're offering that support, that empathy, Mm -hmm. and you're not diminishing what they're going through, right? Mm -hmm. I'm reminded of a saying that we often hear in elementary classrooms about um, you get what you get and you don't get upset. And that saying for me makes me cringe every time. And it leads to, um, again, diminishing uh, our emotions and what is okay to share and what is okay to show to the outside world, right? And it leads back to this conversation of expressing grief. It is okay to be upset to show this grief and to share this grief with others. Yes. And to recognize the loss, but not try to fix it for the person because it is actually not fixable in that moment. Right. And don't give them a time limit or make them feel that so much time has gone by. They should be over it by now. Sometimes it's really your presence that matters, but not only in the in term, but also in the long term. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful. One one thing also I want to add there is don't say at least they lived a long life or while there's probably merit to that if somebody is passing away at a very old age. It doesn't help the person who's really experiencing the grief. So there's it's not any consolation to the person at that moment. Mm -hmm. And speaking of this grief, it could be grief in terms of losing someone um, passing away. But grief is just um, grief is when you're experiencing a loss. Right. And I remember experiencing this and I know that I'm not the only one during the pandemic when Malaya was born experiencing grief and this grief came in the form of a loss the loss of her experiencing what i thought she would experience in her first year of life and that is what i heard at least at least she's healthy at least she's here at least she knows she's loved and Mm. hearing that it didn't help. It did not help at all. It just made me feel so unsupported because I didn't have anyone except for the people who are going through the exact same experience as me that was able to acknowledge what I was feeling and say, yeah, this sucks. And uh, I'm sorry. And we will together get through this. Um, But that word at least is huge because we 
are conditioned again to say it as an automatic response to grief. Yeah, what a huge loss that you experienced, even though you were having such a a beautiful moment and a beautiful time, it was a huge loss that needed to be acknowledged. And that word, at least can really, really make somebody feel it doesn't make anybody feel better. No, exactly. And unsupported, right? And almost, almost guilty Mm. for feeling that way. Um, That, well, yeah, you know what? She is really healthy. And there's so many people who don't have healthy babies or um, don't even have babies. So I should be grateful. I shouldn't even feel a loss, right? So that's a good one. That's a really good one. And that brings me to pregnancy loss. Sometimes people will say things like, at least you already have kids or, well, at least you're still young or, oh, at least it's just only been a couple weeks, right? Like, can you imagine how awful that feels when somebody is saying at least after a pregnancy lost? I mean, even in the earliest stages of pregnancy, women and their partners have such a connection to their baby. And they're going to grieve that baby no matter how far along the pregnancy is. And there's there's like a future that's imagined, right, with that baby. That's that's a huge loss. Mm-hmm, exactly. And even if it's not ending in a pregnancy loss, but the intention of having a child and not being able to is still grief. You're still grieving the quote unquote loss of a child that you uh, imagined that you're going to have. Yeah. So the best things to say in scenarios like that is, I'm very sorry that you've lost your baby, or this must be really difficult for you. Or if you need to say, I don't even know what to say. This is so difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, That is one that I've actually used quite a bit. I don't know what to say because it's true. That is when I'm being honest and uh, authentic. And Mm -hmm. I will say, I don't know what to say, but I am here for you when you are ready to talk about it. In the meanwhile, what can I do to comfort you? Yes. Or what do you need right now? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's all you can do because you feel so helpless in situations like that. And just for the person to know that you are there and available for them, that is so helpful. Mm -hmm. And you're building that skill of empathy there as well. Exactly. So what about when our friend comes to us and tells us something that they're upset about? Let's talk about that scenario yeah, so so this is um, very common, isn't it? So people who, um, a lot of people, when they are upset, they have that one person they go to or a few people they go to, right? And um, it takes a lot of empowered communication and understanding to get to the goal of comforting someone who is upset or is hurting, right? Now, the primary goal of comforting is to ease someone's burden and suffering and helping to lighten their load, right? Um, 
there's also related goals, like letting the other person know that we care about them and also try to help them make sense of the situation. The first thing we really want to do is witness their feelings. And what I mean by this is acknowledging their feelings. So for example, saying things like, I can see that this is a hard time for you and I can see that you are hurting or I hear you. That is really, really powerful that those three words, I hear you. It seems like you're upset because, right? Because that way you are not just comforting them, but you're describing what you see and feel, which then helps them to feel seen, right? They feel an aff affirmed and they are affirmed that you hear them. And this also kind of helps them um, kind of re-clarify what they're feeling as well, right? It kind of mm -hmm. acknowledge, not just acknowledges it, but it also brings more clarity for them. Yeah, so just recognizing someone's feelings or that they're having these emotions is really important. And that's how you witness them. Mm -hmm, exactly. And it's also helpful in that more moment to affirm that their feelings make sense, right? So I can see that you're upset. I hear you. And honestly, I would be upset if that happened to me or if that happened to someone else, right? So again, you're not saying I understand how you feel because as you said previously, everyone's experiences are different, but I can see how you would be upset. I would probably be upset too. Yeah, that, that concept of being heard and seen and acknowledged is really critical. And sometimes with our children, they will be so frustrated or upset about something that we don't understand. So something so minuscule or minor, and we may be standing there thinking, why is that so upsetting? But to acknowledge their feelings is a huge step in getting them to open up and to feel heard and seen. Yeah. And again, this is such a skill because yeah. as I was, um, you know, as my years of being a teacher and a mom, I used to relate my past experiences to their current experiences. Right. But what that happened was it became about me then. So I was changing the focus of the conversation to myself rather than to my child or to the students that I'm working with, right? Or the adults, right? So you want to be able to share, to show that you are able to empathize, but in a way where you're not comparing your past experiences with theirs, right? But you're focusing on their stories and what they're going to in the present moment. I'm guilty of this. I'm guilty of this. Whenever somebody's sharing something with me and I feel like I really understand it or I've been through it or I can really empathize with it, I am so tempted to start talking about 
what I went through. And it is such a skill, especially in coaching, to make sure that the focus stays on the person and you are the listener and offering space and holding space for that person to share their feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, again, this is such a skill because you mm-hmm. want to, the, the goal, the, the intent of doing that is because you want to show you empathize, right? And mm-hmm. look, you know, I went through this too, and this, this is how I dealt with it. So if you do this, you're going to feel better, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it takes away, it takes away the experience for that person. It does. So it's, it's good to offer perspective later on in the conversation, once that person's been witnessed. Yeah, And back to our uh, concept of emotional regulation, once emotions have been regulated and processed, then you could offer suggestions and make a what we like to say a lot, um, when we work with kids is make a plan, right? Exactly, exactly. Uh, So when a friend comes to tell us that they're upset with us. That's also a different scenario. So first of all, when someone confides in me, I have such appreciation and gratitude that they chose me to confide in right off the bat. I feel so grateful to be a person that they've chosen to confide in. Now, if someone comes to tell me that they are upset, I mean, the whole goal of our relationships is to boost the quality of the relationship. And I'm so happy if someone feels comfortable telling me that they are upset with me. I'm so happy and thankful that they feel that they could come and tell me that. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it's important not to ignore that person or not to brush them off or not to ignore their text or the way they're feeling, because then it gives the message that you don't value their relationship to begin with. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Yeah. So if you tell someone, listen, sometimes you're just such a crappy friend and that person just ignores you, it just gives the message that they don't value the friendship enough, right? That's the message, even though the message might not be accurate, right? They're probably embarrassed or upset or defending themselves, but don't ever ignore that if you care about the relationship. So what you can say in this situation, if someone says this to you, it is not my intention to upset you because really it comes back to intention, right? You're a really important part of my life. Are you willing to share a little bit more about why you're upset? Or if they have shared with you why they're upset, you can then use the clarification phrase, what I hear you saying is just to make sure that you have clarified what they're saying. So you don't end up upset as well. Right. So what I hear you saying is this, Mm -hmm. and then they can, they can then validate that. Yeah. And again, I think even in this kind of circumstance where 
we want to make sure that their experience, right? And we're, we're, we're part of that experience. But in this moment, it's about addressing their concerns and experience. So then um, any kind of miscommunication that happens can be, or had happened, I guess, in this case, can be cleared up. And the intention of what you had meant to do or say can be acknowledged. Exactly. Exactly. So sometimes a friend will come to us and they're complaining about, not about us, but something about themselves. So Mm. say they're complaining about their weight, right? So this is a common one. Yeah. So what I've realized, and especially from working with, with girls, young tweens or teens, is that body bashing is no longer acceptable. So when a friend comes to me to tell me that they don't look good, nothing's fitting them, they feel really bloated, they're in this perimenopause, uh, they, they need to lose t- 20 pounds, what you don't want to do is make the person feel worse about themselves because when somebody feels worse about themselves, they don't take action to move towards what they actually want. So we want to make them feel good about themselves because the message that they're getting about their bodies, they're getting that negative message everywhere else. We don't need to contribute to that. So they're getting the message that they're not good enough. And we want to be the friend that makes them feel good about themselves. So when somebody leaves our company, they feel good, not crappy after your time spent together is over. So what I always, I always say now is what do you need to believe about yourself in order to get to the goal that you want? Or what do you need to start believing in order to move towards what you want? Mm-hmm. I find mm-hmm. it's really helpful and you want to make the person feel good. So one of the things you can say is, you know, there's so much that our bodies do for us. That's so remarkable and get them to feel the gratitude in their body rather than bashing their body. Yeah, this is so common. And that's exactly um, the the uh, response that I usually give. Um And I have to say, this is a response you give to someone else, but it's also a response that you can give to yourself, right? Mm. So this concept of, um, let's say, for example, someone is looking in the mirror and um, after having kids and looking at their tummy and thinking, oh, I just do not like my tummy. I hate my stomach. It looks like I'm pregnant thinking that right and they're coming to you and saying that but responding in a way as well you did hold babies you your your stomach did provide nutrients and nurturing to your children how amazing is it that your body was able to do that and your stomach was the place where life evolved and occurred so automatically guess what happens 
not only do they have a sense of gratitude then for their stomach, they're looking at their stomach differently, which changes their brain chemistry. It changes the energy around them. And they're able to then look for more aspects of their body that they feel good about. So coming back to that point where it does help you feel good about yourself, so then you can reach the goals that you want without feeling so uh, negative or um, so terrible about yourself. Exactly, exactly. I love that. Because when we're, we're only motivated to make changes and move in a positive direction when we do see ourselves in a positive light, right? And when we see ourselves for what our bodies can do, then we are more likely to move towards the the goals that we want. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. So the next scenario, which is so huge and so common, is what to say to someone who is confiding in you about trouble in their marriage. Mm-hmm. So your friend comes and says, so-and-so had a huge fight last night, you know, things are not going well. They may even feel so resentful towards their partner. So in that situation, do not offer to rush to make suggestions. That's really, really important. And also it's important to not take sides. It's really, even though it could be your best friend and you may not even like the person's partner, but whatever you do, do not take sides because there will come a time, there may or may not come a time where they are on good terms. And that is the person that they have chosen to, to be with. So, I mean, once you determine if it's, it's something like abuse or addiction or an affair or say one of them is having suicidal thoughts or there's a possibility of separation, you have to use your discernment when communicating with that person. But then in that case, you can suggest professional help. You can suggest a counselor or therapist, some type of professional that's going to help them in those scenarios. But if they're coming just to confide with you in, uh, in a fight that they had or something that happened, uh, something that they're going through in their marriage, what you can say is tell me more, tell Mm -hmm. me more, it opens up the dialogue, it makes the person feel comfortable, it gives them the space to express themselves, it lets them know that you are now emotionally ready and available to listen. Mm -hmm. You feel so supported when you hear tell me more. Right. Like you feel as though the person you are um, confiding in is supporting you, but is also ready to be there to, to, to just be there for you. Right. Like just to hold you, hold your hand in a figurative way um, and just to um, is really interested in what you're saying. You don't feel brushed off. Exactly. And you're emotionally available at that moment. I use this a lot with Adia because as they age, these tween and teens, they don't like questions as much. So what's how do you get information out of them? The best way is to say, tell me more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is the tell me more is another three word phrase that is really great to use with kids. Right. So um, it does. It opens up the doors. 
and it also helps to clear things up that um, they might not even realize needs to be cleared up, right? Because they're able to, they're able to vocalize without boundaries. Exactly. So once your friend has confided in you, you can say things like, I'm really sorry that you're going through something so painful, or I'm guessing you're really confused right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, It sounds like you're extremely hurt and disappointed. I would be too. So again, coming back to witnessing their feelings. Yep. Empathizing, witnessing, and really hearing them, right? And I had to practice this a lot where I would listen to someone or, and, and then in my head, try to think of a response. So I would listen to respond rather than listening to uh, give support. Yes, yes. It's, and that is a skill to listen, to be a good listener instead of listening just to respond. Mm -hmm. And sometimes there is, maybe there is no response, right? Maybe they just want you to listen and they want you to just be there for them um, and have a sounding board. That's something that I've learned in the last few years is to learn to listen and sometimes not respond. Yeah. Because that's exactly what the person wants. Yeah. So not only is it important to respond to someone when they are confiding in us, sometimes we want to confide in someone And I've actually developed a four-step communication process that I have found very helpful when I want to get my needs met. And it's called nonviolent communication. So it was developed by uh, Marshall Rosenberg. And it's just a four-step process that's very easy. So what you do, and I use this a lot with my partner, whenever I want to approach them in a way that is soft, but soft, but and peaceful, but also assertive. So what you do is you state something that is a fact. So first you state a fact. I observe this or what I observe is this, right? So something that they cannot debate on. And then what you say is, when I observe this, I feel this. And then you state how you feel. Okay, that's the second step. The third step is then you say what you need. So what I need or what I value is this, right? So for example, uh, I noticed that we are not as intimate as we used to be. It makes me feel disconnected from you. What I need is more physical touch and intimacy, are, and then the fourth step is, are you willing to, and then you put in your request or your negotiation. So it's a really easy way to express yourself with clarity and compassion at the same time being responsible for how you're communicating with somebody that you care about. Mm-hmm. And I love how you're still expressing your needs, right? You're expressing mm-hmm. what you want, and what you need, but not in a way that attacks them, right? And yes. creates um, more, dis- could create destruction then, right? In your relationship. It's in a way that fosters it, as well as giving them the opportunity to respond. Like in the end, 
uh, the last point you said, are you willing to? So it really mm-hmm. does give them the, um, the, it empowers them, right? To, to make the choice to build upon your relationship. Exactly. And they don't feel the need to defend themselves when you use this process. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So another scenario which um, we may come to recognize a lot is responding to good news. Yes, right? this one's huge. This yeah, one's huge. yeah. And there are different ways of responding to it, right? Where um, it may be a bit, you may wonder how to respond without seeming uh, fake, let's say, or um, feeling that you don't want to dismiss anybody um, and just the correct, quote unquote, correct way to do it. Now, again, this does come down to temperament, right? And the goal of uh, the the goal of the response. So the goal of responding to any kind of experience is to have um, usually an impact, right? Whether that is um, a positive impact to boost the quality of the relationship or having a positive impact to validate the other person. But in any case, there is um, a impact there that needs to be created, right? So the scenarios of having a response to good news varies. Let's just say, for example, you have a friend, right? And they've just been promoted. Now, according to Shelly Gable, she's actually a professor, um, I think, of psychology at the University of California. She identified four possible responses to sharing good news. So... One is active constructive. So in this way, you're really enthusiastic, you're interested and you're supportive, right? So something you might say is, that is brilliant news. I'm so pleased for you. How can I help you prepare? You can also be passive constructive, right? So feeling that you are positive, but you're a bit more muted with not much inquiry, right? So for example, oh, that's nice but there's no follow-up, right? There's also active deconstructive. So we're here, you're kind of energetically belittling or reinterpreting good news. And so for example, you might say something like, oh, really? Oh, that sounds really good for you. I mean, I couldn't really handle that type of promotion, but it sounds really good for you. So you can see that that's very passive and deconstructive, right? And out of those responses, there's another one with passive deconstructive where you pretty much you pretty much dismiss it. Well, I see. Anyways, guess who I saw on my way in, <laughs> right? So you're totally um, diminishing the experience that that person has had. Now, out of those four responses, which one do you think has the most positive impact? It's going to be the active constructive, right? So in that way, you're enthusiastic, you're interested, and you're supportive. But you also have to um, really think about the goal of that, right? The person who is confiding in you might be your best friend. It might be someone that you barely have an acquaintance with, right? So in that case, it might be appropriate to say, oh, that's really great. 
and have that passive constructive constructive um, response. But with a really good friend of yours, you might want to be more actively constructed because there is a relationship there, right? But mm-hmm. it's important to remember that positive interactions will accumulate and they have effects that go far beyond this initial conversation that we're having, right? Feeling positive is going to boost happiness and is going to improve confidence. And then it's going to help build trust and rapport with whoever you're having this um, experience with, right? They are the cornerstone of personal professional successes. That is absolutely true. I love those responses. I've seen them so much. And actually, you gave an example of the promotion. I just experienced this with someone the other day where they received a promotion and shared the news and nobody really acknowledged that person's effort. Mm -hmm. Now, personally, in my opinion, I feel like when somebody's sharing good news, you should always, always praise their effort and congratulate them and make them feel good about it. Because the fact that they're sharing it with you is, it's very exciting. I feel another skill that is important is to learn how to celebrate other people's successes in spite of not having our own. Mm -hmm. It is such an important skill and understanding that everyone has their own unique life path. And When you're high, somebody might be down. When another person is high, you may be down. But we have to ebb and flow with life. So I always feel like letting your own unhappiness steal the joy of another person is, there's an injustice to that. I just, I love to celebrate in someone's success, even if I'm in the crappiest place. And I know that's not easy to do. It's easier said than done. But it's an important skill to acquire because like you said, it's about keeping and building rapport with someone. Mm -hmm. And building rapport is actually the cornerstone of every single piece of communication that we receive or deliver. Yeah, exactly. And I think that it does. It does definitely reflect upon your personality traits again, right? So, um, you know, when someone does share news in, of course, the intent behind it, you do need to look at, but you might not be so exclusively, oh my goodness, I'm so excited for you and be so happy if that's not your trait. I know for me, that's, that's not right. So for myself, active, constructive may sound like Oh, that's so nice. I'm so happy for you. I'm sharing that. But because I'm not so um, completely, completely expressive in the way that um, I am sharing that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm not excited. But I think a lot of it is when you are responding with one words. I don't know if you've had this a lot, but I have where I have maybe shared something that I'm very proud of with close people. And the response would be, oh, okay," or nice or exactly, exactly. Or (laughs) 
I've had, I've had, it's, it's sometimes it's family members, right? That are close where it's in those situations. They're not interested in building rapport sometimes because it's a, it's a relationship that's often taken for granted. So not in all cases, sometimes that's what happens between family members. So when someone just says, oh, okay, cool. And they continue to talk about themselves or something else. It yes. feels really dismissive. That's or, the passive deconstructive, right? You're like, oh, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, I did this or they try to one up, right? So um, when that happens, there's more behind that, of course. There's more going exactly. on. Exactly. And, and there is also a a maturity level and a um, emotional intelligence score that's that also needs to be taken into account there. Exactly. And I think the biggest thing is responding so that the person sharing it with you um, feels listened to, Mm -hmm. validated, and know the importance, right? Again, if it's that acquaintance that you have in the mailroom, even if you respond by that, so nice, you may not follow up with how can I help you prepare, right? Because you um, may not want to go that far with that, but you are making them feel validated, you're making them feel heard, and you're making them feel as though this is something that's a big deal. And it should be celebrated. It should be celebrated. I always, I've developed the mindset now that if I can make someone feel good about themselves, why not? I'll do it in any given situation. Yeah, you're not going to lose anything, right? Exactly. In fact, you're going to gain because the more you express happiness, positivity, gratitude to others for, for the smallest or biggest Uh, things that they have done to assist you, that is going to raise your vibration here on this earth. It's going to put you in a place where you can, you can manifest what you want in life because you start to become like you're a tuning fork. You are like a tuning fork for what comes into your life. And the more you express gratitude and say thank you and celebrate other people's successes, the higher you will actually rise in life. Yeah, it does. Um, I've noticed that it does change so much of this vibration as you're talking about, right? And um, in previous episodes, we we talked about um, the reticular activating system, right? And that's what it does. It like triggers, it's like a radar and you look for these experiences that will enable you to express gratitude. I'm just laughing because I love that we bring this reticular activation system up in many episodes, but it's, it is exactly what you're articulating. It's so true. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, it's a, it's great. I, I really feel like uh, a gratitude is a, is a, is it's a high frequency vibration to be, mm-hmm. and the more we can express it, uh, the better it is. And uh, so the last, scenario that we have that we want to touch upon that I find is so important and again a skill to have is the art of saying no yeah so this is a huge one let's get into this a little bit (laughs) yeah so if a friend asks you for a favor and you really don't have the capacity and you have to say no 
And so a lot of people will do things out of obligation and say yes, because they were not able to say no, but it's a skill again. So I always, I always have some rules around saying no. So if I'm already overwhelmed, I've started to honor that in myself. I will say no, and I will always be honest with why I am saying no, uh, because either I'm uncomfortable, even during the pandemic, even during the pandemic, uh, some people want to break the rules. Some people were out more than others. And there was there were scenarios where I felt uncomfortable attending certain events. And I was just honest about that. So I refused. Right. Um, anything that's so once you're overwhelmed or if you're uncomfortable, use that as a guideline to say no. But also, if it's going to lead to some resentment later on then it's important to say no, if you're going to feel resentful towards the person that asked you. Mm -hmm. I love the word honest you brought up, right? Because I think that that is just so important because not only are you being honest with the person that you're saying no to, but you're being honest to yourself, right? You're being honest with yourself. You're this is something I've had to practice so much. I have been conditioned to be the yes person because I never wanted to rock the boat or have any kind of confrontation and just wanted to, to please everybody, right? And so saying no is definitely, uh, sometimes it comes easy for some people, but for those that it doesn't, it's a skill that does become developed. And there is an art of saying no, right? And you don't want to, at least for me, come out and just say, no, I don't want to do that because that sounds harsh, right? It sounds like whatever is being proposed to you isn't um, important enough to say yes to. But if you do say no with honesty, right? So no, I would love to do that. But at this moment, I have a lot on my plate. And I'm not going to be effective in what you are asking me to do at this moment. Perhaps later on, we can revisit that. In that conversation, you're saying no, but you're also acknowledging that this is something that's important for that person. And it is something that you would potentially want to be involved in if it is something that you do want to be involved in, but you just can't, right? And you can't be effective in that. And if there is a time that you are able to, then that conversation can happen. Yeah, that's those are wonderful points. And it's also important to let the person know who's making the request that if you could, you absolutely would. Sometimes yeah. it's the closest people. And I have so much respect and um, love for that person, but I really do not have the capacity. And I feel like when we're honest, it's not hard to say no, because there's nothing to lie about. There's no excuses to be made. And it's just an honest response. And it's and it actually feels like a big relief afterwards. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes, you are so right. I <laughs> I always say that felt really good to say no. Um, I've had to say no quite a bit, actually, this past year, um, 2021. Um, and 
it really did feel like a relief, right? Like that, not just, it wasn't just the fact of saying no, it was the fact of um, getting the response back from that, those people weren't what I anticipated, right? So I was afraid that they would not, not value me or they won't um, be my friend anymore or whatever it is, right? Those limiting beliefs, but that didn't happen. They appreciated the fact that I said no in an honest way and they were that they'll they're ready for me when and if I choose. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think when we say yes, sometimes it gives us so much anxiety and it's not even worth the effort. Mm -hmm. So embracing the art of saying no is really a beautiful skill that everyone should embrace and especially teaching our kids we we don't want them to be yes people from a young age because that can actually get them in trouble mm-hmm. so it's a, yeah. it's important to learn this at a young age oh absolutely and i feel like Quite honestly, schools are changing, but I feel like we are taught to be yes people at school. Absolutely. You have to do certain things at certain times. Now, of course, schools are changing, curriculums are changing, teachers are wonderful and have so many different perspectives. But the fact of the matter is, is that school was constructed in a time where you did have to say yes, right? So we're trying to, um, revisit that we're trying to address it but it's not going to be without conscious effort so teaching this to our kids right now right having them giving them the ability to say no in an assertive yet very um, compassionate way is going to serve them very well in the future and in the present moment mm-hmm Yes, and I think you have one last thing to touch upon here is that visual that you were telling me about for kids. Okay, so this is a really good visual that um, a lot of teachers actually use from for all grades, for all grades. So you've probably heard a lot of uh, when we were growing up at least we heard the saying sticks and stones may break our bones but names will never hurt me and of course we know that there's no validity to that right it's about as true as that other saying where um what was it you go on a crack and you walk on a crack and then you break your mother's back have you heard that one Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's about as true as that, right? So we sometimes, especially younger kids and older kids for that matter, don't realize the impact of their words. And again, these automatic responses will come out. Now, this is specifically to words that um, hold a lot of uh, negative uh, energy, Okay, so words that uh, don't make somebody feel really good. But in any case, it's a very good visual. So the first thing you want to do is you want to ask your children what unkind words they have either either heard or um, have said themselves. And what you're going to do is just write these down on slips of paper. 
Okay, you can call them sticks and stone slips, or you can call them um, word, just words, or you can call them energy strips, whatever it is, and put them on the side because you will need them a little later. Then what you're going to do is get them to cut out a blank human figure. Sometimes people just get them to cut out a heart. Okay. Now, when they have these strips of paper and either their heart or their human figure, you're going to take the strips of paper from them and you're going to recite the words that are on there. Every time they hear that comment that is unkind, they're going to put marks on their um, figure or their heart. Sometimes you can, uh, a lot of teachers even get them to um, crinkle up the heart or the piece of paper. So it's, um, you know, there's marks all over it, right? The second thing you're going to do is then you're going to ask them to tell you some positive words or positive statements they've heard or said. When they say that, you're going to write it on another piece of uh, or another pieces of paper and you will recite those. And this time when they hear that, they're going to color in their figure or their heart with bright, beautiful colors. Okay. At the end of this exercise, they're going to see the marks that have been made with the responses of that create that negative energy and the responses that are created with the positive energy. And they're going to have thoughts around this, right? So even like young preschool students are able to understand the power and the energy behind the words they hear and say. What's really effective is if you have more than one child that you're doing this with and you share the end piece of each other's images because they can see that even though they may look different, they are still effective in any capacity. So this is something that's really, really easy to do. And it's also just so um, important. I mean, our kids are, a lot of kids are visual learners, right? And having this as a visual for them will make um, them realize that, hey, you know, what I do hear, what I say to others or to myself does make an impact. That is an excellent exercise. It's so good for them to see that visual and to actually understand the impact of their words. And, you know, I've done a similar exercise where I've taken the piece of paper and crinkled it up to show them that whatever the negative words, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter how nicely we color the paper, the the crinkles or the wrinkles are still there. It's such a good exercise. It's so effective. It's so it's effective. really, really effective. And I think that it really addresses this conscious, yes, this conscious thinking, right? That um, we're, we are putting an effort, but 
it makes an impact in order to align with those automatic responses that we are continuously having. Yeah, that is so good. And because they cannot see what's going on on the inside of somebody that allows them to see what the effects of their words are. Yeah. Yeah. And even see what's going on within themselves, right? Because we can't even see within ourselves. No, it's real. It's really a great, it's really great. So, I mean, we've gone through so many scenarios. I think there are so many more that we could have covered, but I am so happy with the ones that we went through to shed some light on how to express ourselves with clarity and with compassion and really with self-responsibility for ourselves and for others. Empowered communication with empathy can get us to can take us to new levels in our relationships. And especially when we have the common good in mind for Mm -hmm. everyone. Yeah, I love that having the common good in mind. And I mean, this isn't something where you're going to do one day and expect that it's going to change everything, right? And we've touched upon the fact of making a conscious effort to engage in these practices and um, experiencing and expressing gratitude to um, everybody that um, is involved in uh, your life, right? And is experiencing this um, phenomenon together. Exactly. So we're going to uh, end this with the idea that in order to create the life you want, empowered communication is is a skill that you need to embrace. And it's one that will allow you to expand your life and really become the greatest expression of yourselves. It's a way to become the best you. Use your words to become the best you and get the most out of your communication. So thank you so much for listening and we are excited to have you back next week. Take care. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the I Am Mom Parenting Journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, please follow us and head on over to iTunes to leave us a review. We invite you to check out the show notes for this episode and click on the link to join our free Facebook community to stay connected and continue the conversation with other like-minded moms. Until next time, stay inspired, take action, and create magic.